If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to pick it up. If you're joining us online or if you're in one of our overflows, we want to invite you to follow with us in your copy of God's Word. We're going to be in Romans chapter 8 today. And so, yeah, find an electronic device or on a hard copy. Goat. Goat in our culture has become an acronym, thanks to sports, for... Yes, the greatest of all time. If you watched golf last weekend, a lot of people watched the Masters, and often a lot of people watch the Masters because it's one of the most important golfing events. Many believe the most important golfing event of the year. But more people watched the Masters last weekend because a man by the name of Tiger Woods was playing. This is a practice round photo. It was interesting, Tiger Woods didn't win the tournament, he didn't even get close to winning the tournament, but if you watched much of the Masters, the conversation was all about Tiger Woods. Why? Because many believe he is the GOAT, the greatest of all time. Now growing up for me, there was a guy by the name of MJ, anybody know that? Stands for? Yes, Michael Jordan. How many think he's the greatest of all time? Yes, some hands. I know there's others in the room that would argue for anyone else. It would, yeah. Right now, I don't even have to say the last name. Right now the conversation is all about a guy by the name of Tom. Yes, many think he is the greatest of all time. Now recognize if we talk sports, uh, we're going to lose some in the room here. So we're going we're gonna to transition And I need you to help me figure out a few goats related to food. Can you do that? Now, you may have noticed there are a lot of California people that have moved to McKinney, Texas. And there has become this, yes, there's cheering for that. There's a whoo. Yeah, if if we owned a home already, we are very glad that you are here. Yes. 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 Yeah. That's right. So there's, there's become this um, conversation that I'm finding myself in often about the greatest fast food hamburger of all time, all right? So there, there's, there's a, a fast food place, it's actually Christian owned, there's Bible verses on the cups called In-N-Out Burger. Yeah, yeah, there's some cheers already. And then there's this, this other fast food place uh, called Whataburger, all right? Now, wait, wait, I wasn't even... So before you cheer too much, we we were about to do, we are, this is the official vote to decide the GOAT, (laughs) the GOAT greatest. So if if you are in the In-N-Out crew, like how many greatest fast food hamburger In-N-Out? Let me hear from you. Yes. Yes. Okay. Now let me hear from you if if you think Whataburger. Whoa. Okay. It hasn't been quite that divided in our other services. we, we're not trying to scare all the California people away, yeah, uh, unless we don't have a house. Okay, now let's, let's transition into to Easter food. For some reason, for some reason, there's, there's these two Easter candies that have risen above the rest related to Easter. There's one candy called Peeps. How, how, how whoa, there's this... There's Aggies in the room already responding. 
And there's another Easter candy called Cadbury Egg. So uh, now th this, is, this is the official vote, a greatest uh, Easter candy of all time. How many of you vote for Peeps? Let me hear from you. Uh -huh. You actually eat it? Literally, have you, have you, okay. Uh, second, how many of y'all vote Cadbury Egg, greatest cat? Okay. That was pretty close. That was a pretty close vote. Now, the, the, the trouble with that vote is maybe you're in the, the realm of thinking that's not the greatest Easter candy, either one of them. This, my, my wife, when I told her, yeah. My wife said, Sam, the problem with that vote is she thinks Reese's eggs are... Yes. So there, there's some people in the room, no? What, what, what do you think the best Easter candy is? Reese's, yes? Okay, there, there you go. All right, Reese's. All right, sweet. Why, why do I even start with this? You're thinking, wow, I'm glad I came to an Easter service. Yes. Because we are about to jump into Romans chapter 8. As a church, we've been walking verse, through, verse by verse all the way through the book of Romans. And I don't think coincidentally at all, I think God has led us to be in Romans chapter 8 today because in Romans chapter 8, he's going to tell us why Easter changes everything. Romans chapter 8, many believe, who love the Bible, many believe this is the goat. Like many look at Romans chapter 8 as the greatest of all time. There was a, a survey done years ago of college professors that taught the Bible and then also theologians and they were asked if you were stranded on a desert island and you could only bring one chapter of the Bible, what would you bring? 90% plus chose Romans chapter 8. So if you're here today and you're kind of new to the Bible, I, I, good news you're, you're about to get to see what many people believe is the goat. Now, we're not going to get all of it. We're just going to get the first part of it today. But I'm going to read you the first four verses. And this is so good. It's going to show us how Easter truly changes everything for us. And then I'm going to skip to verse 11. So y'all stand up with me as I read to honor God's word. Here's what Paul writes. There is therefore now, this now we'll see is because of Easter. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Say in Christ with me. One, two, three. In Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, say in us with me, one, two, three, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Jump with me now to verse 11. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead 2,000 years ago on Easter dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead 
will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. God, help me to preach your word today on this Easter. Help us see how Easter changes everything. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. I want to try to show you the beauty of the theology here in Romans chapter 8, and it's deep, and it's, I recognize we've got a lot of kids in the room, so I'm, I'm going to try to use something visual for you. Romans chapter 8 starts by saying, there is therefore. So what's the therefore, therefore, right? Paul's been teaching in the book of Romans that all of us have sinned. Chapter 7, before we get to 8, he talks about even for believers, there's times where we don't want to do what we do and we hate what we do, but there's sin living in us that does it, right? And then he cries out at the end of the chapter, who will rescue me? Who will rescue me from this body of death? And then he answers this big question mark with an exclamation point, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, he's been talking about sin. He's been talking about sin in the life of the believer, all right? So I'm going to turn it around. What's the therefore, therefore? Some of you were here on Friday and we did this Good Friday experience. It ended with the cross where many of you nailed your sins on the cross. Things that you have done that you know are wrong. You've lived your life your way, not God's way. You've disobeyed him. That's in your life. Here's a few. Selfishness, lust, pride. Actually, this one I've read multiple times because it says, I see myself better than my spouse. Okay, pride, worry, like we could go on. I don't know what's in you. I don't know what's in you specifically, but I do know that in you is sin. And Paul has talked about it. I don't know what you put on the cross if you were here on Good Friday, but you've done wrong. And if you've done wrong and you know you've done wrong, you recognize that not only am I guilty, I deserve punishment for my wrong. Okay, the big Bible word for that is condemnation. Now here's what Paul says. There is therefore now, because of Jesus' death and resurrection, there is therefore now less condemnation for those who are in Christ. Wait, is that what he says? No. Now some people walk around in their life living that way. He does not say there is therefore now less, what does he say? There is therefore now no no condemnation. No condemnation for good people. Wait, is that what he says? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are what? In Christ. Okay, now wait a second. In you and in me are things that deserve condemnation, that deserve punishment. We're guilty. But Paul says, there is therefore now, because of Easter, no condemnation for those who are in Christ. What? How, how is there no condemnation for those who are in Christ? How, how? How does this work? If we deserve condemnation, how is there no condemnation for those who are in Christ? Well, he's going to tell us. Verse 2 says, for the law of the spirit of life... He's risen again. The law of spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus. In, again, in Christ, if you're in him, in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. 
Oh wait, how did we get set free from this law of sin and death if we're in Christ? Keep going with me, he tells us. Verse three, for God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. This is the difference between the gospel, the good news of Easter, and every other religious teaching out there. Every other religious teaching out there is gonna teach you what you should do to get right. The Bible teaches something radically different through Easter. That God has done, God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son, whose name was Jesus Christ. Sending his own son, Jesus Christ, in the likeness of sinful flesh, he he became man, he was fully God, fully man, He actually did not sin, that's why it says the likeness of sinful flesh. He took on flesh so that he could live a perfect life and become the perfect sacrifice, the next few verses, for sin. The next few words, for sin. The for sin there is the sacrifice for sin. And what happened at that point? He, Jesus, condemned sin in the flesh. So I'm gonna go up here. And I'm going to put Christ on the cross because I need you to understand why Good Friday is good. It just said that Jesus, Jesus, right, God sent his own son, likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he put him, he condemned sin on the cross. Wait, how did Jesus condemn sin? Jesus didn't have sin, right? Did Jesus have sin? No. Jesus never sinned. But if We are in Christ whose sin was in him when he was on the cross. Now, ours. Now, I'm not saying that Jesus was a sinner. No, the Bible says that he himself bore our sin in his body on the tree. This is 1 Peter. He bore our sin in his body on the tree. How did that happen? For those that are in Christ, when he died, he was taking the condemnation penalty that we all deserve. Y'all know what the law of double jeopardy is in our country? Law of double jeopardy is a law that says you cannot be tried two different times for the same wrong. Once. Once you've already gone to trial, you can't have a second one. One time trial. This is such good news. This means, how, how, how is it possible that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ? The now is possible, no condemnation, because then when Jesus died, those who were in Christ, your sin were, was condemned in him. Y'all with me so far? Kids, if you're following this, this is incredibly important, incredibly important that you understand. Why did did God do this? Why did he send his son to die on the cross so that he could take the condemnation penalty that you and I deserve so that we could be able to say there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ? Is that the only reason he did it? Keep going with me. Verse four. In order that, he did this so that, in order that, the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in, say in us with me again, in us. Okay. 
who walk not according to the flesh, chapter 7 says in the flesh, mess, not walk according to the flesh, but walk according to what? The Spirit. Okay. Y'all know what a walker is? You know, uh, maybe someone in your family needs a walker. Maybe you need a walker and you're here with us. A walker is something that someone needs when they have a falling problem. A, a walker is something someone needs when they, 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 they uh, in the flesh, find themselves falling, right? And so the walker is something that they can lean on for strength and so they do not fall. And God has given us a walker if you're in Christ. The walker is part of the Godhead. His name is the Holy Spirit. In the Baptist churches, sometimes we're picked on for worshiping God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible. The Holy Bible tells us that there's three gods. One of them is the Holy Spirit. Some have called him the forgotten God. Skip with me to verse 11. We're gonna, next week, we're going to look at how do we walk by the Spirit. He's going to show us in the, book of, uh, uh, in the book of Romans chapter 8. Verse 11, he says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus, this is Easter, how did Jesus come out of the grave? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Because if you've wondered, how did, how, did, how did Jesus come back to life? By the power of the Holy Spirit. If, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, and he just said in verse nine, if you're in him, if you're in Christ, the spirit is in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who, guess what, is in you. So guess what, this is so good. The power that rose Jesus from the dead, the same Holy Spirit, the God that did Easter, rose Jesus from the dead. If you're in Christ, if you're in Him, guess what? The Bible says the Holy Spirit is now in you. And what does that Holy Spirit do in you? It helps you to get rid of all of this other stuff that's messing up your walk, making you fall. We're gonna get to learn through the book of Romans, chapter, the book of Romans, in Romans chapter eight, what that looks like over the next few weeks. I'm so excited. But the big question for us here today and on this Easter Sunday begs the question, if there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ, the question is, are you, are you in Christ? Are you in him? You might be thinking, Sam, this is like really theological language. How do you get in Christ? Well, Paul, Romans chapter three, chapter four, chapter five has argued clearly over and over and over again, you're in Christ by faith. A lot of people respond to that. We can just say bless you together on three. One, two, three. Bless you. Bless you. I'm glad there's other people who sneeze like me in the world, yes. How do you, how do you get in Christ? How do you get in Christ? Romans chapter, again, three, end of chapter three, four, the whole chapter four is actually saying this is also the way it's worked throughout the history of the world. Even before Easter, it was about faith, faith in Jesus and what he was going to do before the cross and now for us now after his death, burial, and resurrection, faith in what he has done. It's all about that. Some think, no, it's about what I need to do. I, I, need, to, I need to, no, it's not about you. It's about do you believe in what he has done for you? Do you have faith in him? It's, it's, it's about him. 
You don't get access based on you. You get access based on him. Are you in him? A few years ago, I had the opportunity to go play golf with a friend. A lot of people uh, know that pastors play golf six days a week. Did y'all know that? We, uh, actually, I don't get to play very often, but I, I'd gone to play and I'd never experienced anything like this. this. This guy said, hey, I want you to meet me at this golf course. So he gives me the title of the golf course and I drive up and there's no sign for a golf course at the address. In fact, there's no way to keep driving because there's this big gate and the high fence and I'm like, okay, I must have gone to the wrong place. And then all of a sudden the gate starts opening and I drive in and the guy comes out from the security booth and he's like, hey, Mr. Holm, I'm glad you're here. And I'm like, how did you know my name? (laughs) He said, oh, because you were with him. Wait, I'm with who? He wasn't even there yet. I know you're playing today with him. I'm like, okay, well, what do I do? And he says, drive forward. So I drive forward and a guy comes out of the car and he's like, hey, Sam, let me have your clubs. And then, then I start feeling really embarrassed about my clubs. <laughs> Pulls my clubs out and he said, I'll take the keys. And he goes and parks the car. I walk into the clubhouse. I'm the only one in the clubhouse and the, the pro comes out. He says, Sam, I want to start talking. I want to talk to you about your dad. And I'm like, my dad? You don't know my dad. He no, but I know some people that know your dad. Like, how do... How do you even know who I am? He said, I I don't know who you are, but you are with him, the guy that I was playing golf with that day. And so he had done research. And I'm thinking, I do not belong here, is what I was thinking. (laughs) And you know what? I was right. In my, there was nothing about my lifestyle that belonged in that place. But because I was with him, I had access. How do, you, how, how do you get in him? How, how, do you, how do you go through your life in him, with him? The Bible says it's by faith. In chapter five, he says, therefore, since we have access by faith in this grace in which we now stand, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Faith, believing in what he has done for you, taking the punishment for the sin you deserve. There is therefore now, because of Easter, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I want you to pray with me. Bow your heads. I think people in the room, there's some of you that are not in him, but you're hearing this and it makes sense for you and you're recognizing, no, I want to be in him. And if that's you today, I want to invite you right now to place your faith in Jesus. It starts by you confessing your sin, saying, God, I I know I'm a sinner. I don't know what these black sheets are in your life, but say, God, I know I've done wrong. Confess your sin in your heart. I know I deserve condemnation. That's big word, punishment for my sin. And God, I believe, I have faith that you sent Jesus to take the punishment I deserve. Help me follow you through the power of the Holy Spirit. If that's happening in your life right now online and overflow here in the room, I think sometimes as we make a decision in our heart, we need to express it on the outside. So I wanna invite you with heads bowed. If you wanna just raise your hand and say, I'm doing this for the first time. I'm placing my faith in him. If that's happening for you, I wanna invite you to just put your hand up and say, yes, Lord, I wanna be in him. Let me pray. 
God, I thank you for what you've done for us. God, I thank you for those of us who are in him, those who are making a decision right now to be in him. Not a decision that's on their own strength, it's, it's believing in what you have done through Easter. God, thank you that there is therefore now no condemnation, no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. We, we, want, we want to spend the rest of our lives responding to Jesus.